be better. Good luck. Hello, is that working? Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. I have to, I'm good. How are you? I have to like get our the view gallery right on here. Oh. I know. I'm What's so sorry for like literally like none of the microphones were working. I was like, great. Trust me, I get it. <laughs> Trust me, I have been there. I get it. So right, because I was literally like, hello. And I'm like, oh, no one no one is there. Great. It's always like right before you have to do something too. You know? I know, but I feel like a lot of people don't realize that. And then you just feel like, what am I doing? I know. No, I know. It's, it happens to me constantly. Like I was in, I did a recording the other day and my computer just shut down in the middle of the recording. Wait, are you serious? Oh yeah. It was like, <laughs> it was like terrifying. I was like, fuck. I was like, I swear I've done this before, but it was fine. No, that happened to me once where I was like, oh, this didn't record. And by didn't record, I think I forgot to press record. <laughs> My worst nightmare. That's why I like always record on my foot, like, you know, like 17 different. Devices. I learned the hard way. And luckily this was someone I knew personally where I was yeah. like, and I just acted like it was still a technical glitch. Yeah. So. Yes, that's good. Mm. Anyway, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I like, this has been a long week. I know I, it's so funny because I've been listening to, I've kind of been doing like a binge of you and oh. I feel, I know you'll talk about your period a lot and I <laughs> have been waiting for my period and I'm like ready to like murder everybody. Oh my God. No, my period, like I PMS, like I swear harder than the average person. Like I just like, it takes over my whole soul. Like it's, it's just unavoidable. Like I just, it's, I don't, it's so funny. Cause like on the questions I saw you ask, like, when did you last cry? And I was like, it's so hard to get me to cry like on an average day, but except for like really? when, I, yeah, totally. Um, but like, I definitely cry when I'm on my period, like always, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the worst. 
All right. Well, I'm just, I mean, I tell anybody before we start recording this, like if there's something that you're like, oh, I want to redo this. I hate this. Like we can totally go back and do it. And it's not a big deal. I always do the intro after. Okay. So I'm just going to have to be like, hey, Jay, like as if we just started. That's how I do it too. Yeah. You know, awkward. Yeah. Do you? Because before I would read the intro and then I was like, this is really awkward and weird. And it's a waste of time. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. waste. And some people give me a bio that's like way too long and I don't oh realize God. it till I'm reading it. And I'm like, we didn't totally. need your like whole life story. Yeah. I always have to rewrite a bio for sure. So I'm but, like, okay, great. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? We're just going to say an awkward hi and call it a day. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Hey, Jade. How are hi. you? Hi. How are you? Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here virtually, I guess we should say again. Of course, of course. Do I need to plug in my microphone, by the way? I didn't. Am I okay without it? I, you know, it works. I feel like because you have a good mic, you you could plug it in. I haven't, when you record on Zoom, I haven't noticed a big difference. Okay. So the only time I notice when it messed, when I, it's really bad is when people use AirPods. Oh yeah. Cause then it like totally. No, a hundred percent. We're, we're a strictly no AirPods podcast. I saw that where I was like, don't worry, tell them I will like wear <laughs> headphones, like whatever they want. Like, yeah. Like once someone did air and I was like, no, we like cannot hear you at all. No, Sorry. no. Um, so I want to know like how you decided to create, tell me about it. Was there an aha moment or for sure? Was for this sure. You always, I-, well, I know you've talked about how you always wanted to have a talk show, but you didn't want to yeah. have a talk show where it was just kind of fluff. Yeah, no. So I definitely like started, um, after college, like started hosting here and there, you know, like doing like red carpet hosting, whatever really I, anyone would invite me to do. Um, (laughs) and it just felt so uninspiring, you know, to ask about like outfits or this or that. And then I like worked for a media company and I would start doing interviews for them. And, you know, obviously they have specific questions they wanted me to answer. Like a lot of them were like political or, you know, like stuff like that, which is obviously interesting and has its place somewhere. Um, But I always was really attracted to real conversations. I almost like can't have small talk. It's like, it's almost a problem. So it's like, I know that I have always been the person that people confide in. And I always felt like growing up, I was the person that had to go through something so that I could be the person for all my friends to like talk to when they went through it. I always, I was like the first one to go through things. Like even when I was young, like my parents were the first ones to get divorced and like little things like that. Okay. Um, But yeah, I just always like longed for those like deeper conversations. And, um, so then when I left my, my first job, I was like, kind of like, in a I was in a really bad place, which we can get into. I was like, so depressed, so anxious. Um, basically like I just couldn't outrun my mental health issues anymore. Um, and I tried really hard, you know, like I was, and I was just in a really dark place and I kind of came to a crashing halt and I had to leave, um, that media job that I had. And I, you know, I like did really intensive therapy. I did like a mental health in like outpatient program, like we where we did like group therapy every day. Um, and I just came out of it. Like, I can't even pretend if I tried. You know, I was just like, I am a different person. Like I went through this crazy thing. Like my whole life is so different. Um, so then I was like, okay, what, you know, what, what's the internet? What, like, what's going on? Like, where can I connect with people with right. women specifically? Cause I've always been into the female experience and story. Um, and 
at the time it was like 2016, 2017 or 2017, 2018 actually. And, um, I, you know, everyone was kind of talking about skincare. It was like when skincare was big. And so like everyone was like, that's all anybody talks about still. Right. Like, I'm like, a little bit for sure. For sure. But at the time it was like where everyone was being authentic. It was the only place where women were saying like, I have pimples. Like I remember watching like a, an Instagram live and this influencer was like, you know, I've been really wanting to talk to you guys about this breakout that I had. And by the way, I totally understand how traumatic breakup breakouts can be, you know, but it just like reminded me how hungry people are for connection and to see their struggles in someone that they admire and like how, how that's been the only thing that's ever worked for me. Like mm-hmm. anytime I ever went through something, even like my insane depression and anxiety, like I remember listening to a Lena Dunham podcast that she did. And it was like, wow, hearing my story languaged gives me the confidence to talk about it. Like the freedom, the liberation to actually like talk about what I've gone through in my life. Like when I used to just keep it all as a secret and thought there was so much shame in everything that I'd ever gone through. And um, yeah, so I just was like, so I was doing that skin care. I, I decided to do skincare blog- blogging. This is a really long-winded way of answering That's your fine. question. That's fine. That's um, fine. But yeah, I started skincare blogging and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is like, so not for me. Like this is so, um, you know, no, I'm not knocking anyone that's a skincare blogger because that is amazing. But I just had people like coming up to me at parties all of a sudden and they were like, I have this cystic zit. And I was like, I could not care less. You know what I mean? I was like, talk to me about your childhood trauma, but like, I don't care about, you know, whatever. So you know, and I would meet with agencies and stuff and they were like, okay, like, how can you make your life look more aspirational? And I was like, that is like, wait, what do you mean? Like, like they, like for, they like would advise yeah, on social media. Like they were like, that's what's in right now is people want to copy lifestyles. Right, so like right. the more aspirational you can make your life look the better, which is like goes against everything I've ever been wow. taught. That know, makes or- sense. So this was 2018. Yeah. You started? Okay. Yeah. And it was all about like, I feel like, yeah, all the filters and like the, just like really fake. Yes. And like very curated, like where the feeds were one color and like, you know, very produced. Um, And I remember meeting with this agency and they like said that to me. And I was like, I am the girl that like face plants, like on, like, I'm just, I just stumble my way through life. You know what I mean? Like I am accident prone. Like I have to learn lessons the hard way. And I was like, that is so like I've spent my whole life proving people like that my life is not aspirational or like what they would assume it is. And so I, it just felt really off brand to me and was like super unsettling. And one day I said to myself, I was like, okay, if I got, what is the highest accolade in skincare blogging or in this blogging world, right? Let's say I got that award. Let's say it's a Revolve award or whatever the What I wonder like, what is it? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, what would it be? Like a writing an article for Vogue or I don't know. Right. And I just like, whatever it is, I wouldn't like, it wouldn't feel good to me. Like, you right. know what I mean? I just felt like no matter if I like reached like the pinnacle of success for this industry, it's not true. Like, it doesn't feel like, like, I'd be like, oh yeah, I was always into skin. Like in high school, I wasn't, you know what I mean? The whole thing was just like, like I love skin. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I love products. Sure. But it's like, I want to talk to you about so much more. So anyway, I kind of was like, fuck, you know, like, I, I don't know what really, sorry if we can't curse on this show. I, oh, please. Yeah. That's so, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can like basically do anything. 
Okay, you can go to the bathroom. You can like okay, take us great. with you. It's fine. Yeah. Great. Um, but yeah, so I just was like, um, you know, and luckily it happened at a time where podcasts were started. Like a lot of people were starting to have podcasts. And I was like, okay, all of a sudden I realized you know, cause I kind of thought if I started skincare blogging, maybe someone would see like a lot a video that I did and see that I could be a good host. Like I was kind of expecting for someone to put me where I was supposed to go. Like a stepping know? stone. Yeah. Which can happen, which can happen, but I wasn't doing something that was authentic to me, you know? So it like, right. I would have gotten a weird job offer or whatever it would be from, like yeah. from what I was doing. Um, yeah. and I, I was like, I remember it so vividly. I was in my bed, which I always am. And I was thinking to myself, like, I don't have to wait for someone to give me the permission to be a talk show host. Like I can start my own show that is based on the antithesis of a success story podcast. Like all of those that we listen to are great, you know, and they're wonderful, but like, I wanted to create something like, I don't even let my guests talk about their career barely, unless it's like in relation to, you know, something that made them feel anxious or insecure right. or whatever. I just really try to make my podcast like a, really safe space where there is just no way that you can feel worse about your life after listening to it. Right. Like, or that you can feel like inadequate or excluded, you know, which I feel like you can feel on success story podcasts a lot. Yeah. You're like, Oh, great. They just did their fifth book. Like I will kill myself now. Right. Or even like little things like, Oh, you know, I went to Harvard business. I'm like, okay, fuck. I didn't go to Harvard business school. So I can't do what, like, so I didn't, I can't do what they do. You know, there's just, I just felt like they were reasons why, like they just created more reasons why I couldn't do things, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing for me is I always saw my trauma and mental health issues and whatever as reasons that I couldn't do something. So it meant something, it was so important to me to have guests that are, that other people found cool or respected or admired so that they could see how they took those things that are, should be reasons that you can't do something and show why that, like how you can do them anyway, you know, like just that they're proof that you can live to tell the tale. Yeah. You know, did you now growing up, did you know that you had depression or was it? Yes. No. Oh, no, okay. I oh, I, okay. I didn't know if you said yeah. oh or no. And uh, I was like, no, no, I, I did questions it. later on, but sometimes, you know, things lead in because I, I'm always curious to hear someone's story of when they realized like, like this may sound, but in a way it's a good thing. Like, oh, I'm not like everyone else, you know? Cause I, I feel like everyone, the now looking back, you can probably pinpoint that time or. Yeah. I think hindsight is 2020, of course, but um, right. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if you're supposed to use that term or like that saying anymore after we've had 2020 and whatever, but whatever the pandemic I've heard. It's like, I don't, whatever. Anyway, um, hindsight is 2020. We're going to use it anyway. Um, yeah, I think like growing up, looking back, I definitely had, I, I, I wasn't like everyone else. Like I definitely was more sensitive. Um, my childhood wasn't like everyone else's. I had a lot of things that, um, made me grow up really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely always was so like had a, I don't know, like, I want to say like a soulful, like connection to people. Like I just always, um, like gravitated towards like deep conversation. And even at a very, very young age, like I was always told, like I was, you know, like very old for my, or whatever that's saying. An old soul. An old soul. Thank you. Yeah. So I think like, yes, I was extremely different than other people, but I 
put so much pressure on myself to be the same as everyone else. And to, you know, because of what I'd gone through in my personal, like my family stuff, like I just wanted to be perfect. I wanted everyone to think I was perfect and I was willing to do anything to convince you that I was perfect. And I just did that for like all of my middle school, high school, I think as early as like fifth and sixth grade, you know, just like was trying to be like, okay, don't look at like my family or anything that you think is going on at home. Like just pay attention to how perfect I am. And it was exhausting, you know? So I think um, I definitely had, I was too sensitive for the world around me for a long time. Yeah. And then, um, and I, I thought I could outrun it, you know? So I tried like hell, like I tried so hard. I, um, and then when I was working at that media company, uh, well, no, before that. So in college I had this surgery and it like, like a reproductive surgery or whatever. And it really messed with my hormones. And from that, what, do you mind telling like what, when you say reproductive, what kind of surgery yeah. you don't, you don't have to say it if you don't want to. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll tell you another time, but okay. It, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So you had some sort of, so you had a surgery relating to re- reproduction. Yeah. Yes. A yes. Female surgery. Okay. A female okay. surgery. Yes. I think other people can gather what that is, but I mean, maybe. I mean, I, 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 I think I can, but yeah, yeah. Okay, you don't have to go into it. We'll, we'll go into it another time, but yeah, right. if, if you, yes, whatever. Um, so I had, surgery, yes, I had this surgery and, um, it like really messed with my hormones. So I was like, you know, which I didn't anticipate at all. Okay. So it just exacerbated my mental illnesses that I had like really that were left undiagnosed. And, you know, like, I think when you go, when you're put in therapy so much as a child, like, you know, when my parents got divorced and all these other things, like I was, they always put me in therapy. So I was kind of like, I had an aversion to it because I was just like, you know, like it never, I thought it, it never really like worked. It was more like a, every memory I had of therapy when I was young was like fighting with my parents really badly or like, you know, just all like, I never saw it through long enough to see any results. So I was like, okay, I need to go back to therapy because all of a sudden I can't get out of bed. Like wow. I was just, and I was hit with um, panic attacks. Like I'd never had one single panic attack before in my life. And I had them every day at one point, like twice a day. Post the surgery. Yes. So this made the hormones. Yeah. I mean, hormones are so strong, which I don't yeah. think people realize. Right. And like, I didn't, I was just yeah. coming out of college. So like I right. never- attention to hormones and, uh, and so whatever. So I was like very much so in the dark. Like, I think just not knowing, I think, you know, it's a huge problem for women to a, not know a lot about mental health stuff, but it's also a huge problem for women to not understand like the connection between that and your hormones and whatever. So I was having panic attacks every day. And I quickly, quickly learned that like, that is, an experience that makes you terrified to leave the house. So that compounded with my depression. I was just like, I couldn't get out of my own way. I couldn't see out from under the covers. I was just, um, yeah, like just riddled with intense, intense anxiety and depression. So after, like from there, you know, I, I, like I said, I went to outpatient treatment, like I got help, you know, but um, it was, really scary at 23 or 22 or 23 to be like diagnosed with a mental health issue for someone that always tried to be perfect and like was, you know, tried to convince everyone else I was, it became unavoidable. And I think it had to hit me that hard at that moment because I would have just tried my whole life to keep 
running from it, you know? Yeah. So that, and was it through really finding a good therapist and through therapy, you realized this or they diagnosed you from? Yeah. You know, I talked about this on my podcast last week, but it's interesting. Like the diagnosis is, can be a really big deal for people because it's like all of a sudden I felt like I had a stamp on my forehead. You know, I was yeah, like, and it can be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Totally. I think that's kind of what you said. Yeah. Less, okay. Yeah. 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 So, but no, I, my therapist was like, well, I think what was refreshing is she was like, this is textbook. You know, I think it felt good to be like, okay, there's a name for this. There's, this is not me being lazy. This is not because I couldn't articulate it. I was like, yeah. it's not like I'm having fun in bed and like chilling and having snacks. And yeah, I was like, lights off, forget about the world. Like, yeah, like crying or like, yeah. 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 And even now it's so funny. Like I'm on medication and it's even hard for me to remember now sometimes what it was like in those darkest, darkest moments. Well, you that's know? great. That's a testament to your therapist and whatever medicine, you know, that it's working. Yeah, yeah I hope so. I mean, I, I'm, I always say like, knock on wood, but no, it, like depression comes in bouts for me at least. So it's yeah. like, I, I still have them, but my Lexapro makes it so like, I don't go as deep down. Like, yeah, into, yeah. You know? I mean, that's, I know some people really, and I feel like that's kind of a new way of therapy where they don't really want to label people, but I, I like to know, like, yeah. I want to know, like, yeah. what's wrong? I like, like, I want the knowledge. I want knowledge the power. Some For people sure. don't, some people want. Totally. But that's like how I feel about like the other day, I said this on my podcast too, but I went and got my like fertility checked and like my, my eggs and my okay. fertility levels, my AMH and everything. And I was like, I couldn't wait to tell all my friends. I was like calling them from the car. I was like, everyone needs to do this. I know it's like an expensive thing and a lot of people don't have access, but I was like, if you can, like if your insurance covers it, like do this, like just get it checked. So you have a baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just have a baseline. They were like, no way. Like, I don't even want to know that would like kill me and torture me for like various reasons, whether it was like, right. cause they have a boyfriend right now and they just would, it would put a lot more pressure on them. But I was like, no, like for me, even finding out like that little information, I was like, oh, I feel like I know myself better and can use, like, yeah. I feel like I'll just power in that way. Yeah. I mean, and it's weird that they don't tell people that, or I'm sorry, not people, women that I think even just re- when you regularly go to the gynecologist, cause it's good to have, like you're saying a baseline. Cause I did that like later in life and I wish I had done it you know, mm-hmm. in my twenties. And then yeah. know like, well, was it this number then? Or was, cause you know, you really don't, everyone is so different that yeah. you don't know. I do go back and forth about it sometimes. Like what? <laughs> like, yeah. I think sometimes I speed up my twenties or like try to, um, because a lot of it's because like I have three older siblings. So I've always just tried to be older, you know, just by whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm trying like, cause with the fertility, they're like, well, you know, like you should do this, you should do that. You shouldn't smoke weed. You should like all this stuff. And I'm like, but wait, you're 27 or are you 27? Yeah, okay. I tried to find your date of birth. I couldn't. Oh, wow. I'm so mysterious. Maybe Maybe you're trying 14. to, you know, keep that yeah. under the, under the yeah, right. Yeah. Right. No, I'm 27. Okay. And in return I turned 28 in December which is so weird no because I wanted to find out not so much like your exact age I just I always like to know what sign people are and I was like I'm a Sagittarius you're Sagittarius oh that makes sense Sagittarians are very sensitive human beings so that's okay what are you hold on I'm an Aquarius I'm a true Aquarian I love Aquarius eat of my own drum and yeah my mom and sister who I'm both really close with are both Sagittarians oh no way oh yeah but I but that makes sense that you're a Sagittarius yeah 
Yeah, I have a lot of Sagittarius um, in me for sure. But um, what were we just saying? Oh yeah, we were, we were talking about- You were saying that like you felt like you were always in a rush or maybe you still yeah, feel like yeah. you're in a rush to get, yeah, to get out yeah. of your 20s. Yeah, I just like, um, you know, I, I think I was talking to Erin Foster on my podcast about it and she was, you know, that book, Quit Like a Woman- Yes, that's really funny because I, I know Erin really well. So I listened to that episode. Yeah. She was talking about like her quitting the drinking the wine. Yeah, I, like, I oh could never God. not drink coffee. I'm not a big I drinker, know. but I could never not drink coffee. I know. I have to have coffee. I'd be like dead asleep right now. Like I. Right. But I like have these temptations to like start getting my life together, you know? And I'm like, I feel like I have in so many ways. So like, I have to maintain my vices just for like even these last few years. Like I just. Yeah, I don't think you need to. If you know, like. I don't want to. I'm from a family of gynecologists, so if if, you know? if yeah, I'm from a family of OBGYNs. So if no way, if you're if someone told you that you should stop smoking pot, is yeah. that what they said? Because yeah. they're like, yes, that has more to do with the sperm count than ah, it has more oh to do with God. guys than women. Like, I'm so happy. Yeah. You're <laughs> so I'm because I've I really no idea to what all your levels are, but like I can tell you, yeah. right now, like, you're so young, and I don't think that's gonna like. Yes. You know, okay. I love that you're you were like 50 years old. Yes. Last I don't like to drink really. Like I'm not a huge, I'm not yeah. good at it. I should, I, you know, it's, I have it's a very I'm, low tolerance. I'm, I'm like, bad at it. I'm either like throwing up like crazy or like being insane or like, I'm not drunk at all. Like I just don't, I drink like a college kid. Like I don't know the middle ground. Oh, I'm like the op. I'm like one drink and I'm like, well, I that's me too, my medicine. But I just like, I don't, I don't know. I have very low tolerance. Mine is I mine. don't think, I don't think you like quitting or that you need to stop smoking pot. I mean, I don't. Okay. I don't know I, why you're smoking, but I would just say the podcast alone. Just th- that. Yeah. For me. It's there true. There's my, that. my, uh, my, yes. but yes. no, it is also, also for a side note, just we can cut this out or don't have to, or whatever. I had an abortion. That's what my reproductive. Oh surgery. yeah. By the way, I, I, maybe it's my like PMS brain, yeah. but I literally did not realize that until you said let's talk about it later. And then yeah. I was like, Katie, you fucking idiot. Like, she- no, you're not an idiot at all. I, I never get that kind of stuff, but no, it's like you said reproductive. I thought maybe again, from the OBGYN family, like, you yeah. know, I thought maybe you had like something with your ovaries, totally. like, you can't have children. Like totally. I mind went like there. Totally. Not, no, I'm like, I never say that. About- I, like, we'll do whatever you want as far as. No, like- I'm like, I never, I'm so open about it. Like in my personal life, but it's like, okay. you know, but that's, but that's, that's, it's good to know. I mean, and I think so many people don't realize that, that it really, you know, as women, like when you have really any kind of surgery, but especially something that's hormonal, it can really make those skyrocket. Totally. Uh, yeah. And, it, and it's good information to have, you know, because like, I know now maybe after I get pregnant or like have a baby, like that I am susceptible to postpartum or, you know, whatever, right. like I, it was really important for me to know. Like I also went off birth control because that affects your hormones. And I was like, I can't have like any intervention or like anything like interrupting my natural hormone cycle. So yeah. Well, being on, I will, I mean, meanwhile, people are gonna be like, does this lady think she's a gynecologist? But kind (laughs) of, I do. You're allowed. That that can affect you getting pregnant if you stay on birth control for a long time. Yeah. Right. So actually Aaron will tell you, Aaron, again, Aaron's going to be like, I did not ask to be on this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She Be wasn't, true. she wasn't even seeing anyone at the time, but like something was going on. I was like, you need to get off birth control. And yeah. it like really helped her. Totally. Oh, totally. No, I believe in that. I mean, it can just, I'm not saying don't be, but it, unless you have, have to, to be on it, unless you have to be on it. Right. 
Agreed. Just put it, put it at that, but you know, so, and in a way it's kind of like a blessing in disguise. I know that's kind of a weird thing to say about procedure, but that you learned so much about yourself. Yes. And I like, it gave me like, yeah, I, you know, like I have to learn, like I said, I have to learn lessons the hard way. So like, I think for me, I would have, I, even if I had been diagnosed with depression and anxiety, unless I was hit that hard, I don't know that I ever would have believed it or, you know, allowed it to be a part of my identity. Really? Even like as a kid or, cause I feel like the generation yeah. that you grew up in, like it's so, especially being in LA, like it's so yeah. accepted. Yeah. Well, my mom- post, it's still more like, Oh, it, for sure. problems, you know? Yeah. yeah. And my, my mom had really bad depression growing up. And I think I always, um, felt like ashamed of that. So I think I right. adopted some of that into my own diagnosis. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I, I didn't want it to, I didn't want anyone to have a reason to judge me before I sat down, you know, or like before they met me and I, or not even like, or before they got to know me, I just felt like it felt like a life sentence to me you know, and, and for so, in so many ways, cause I didn't really at the time, like that I was diagnosed, I didn't see a lot of representation out there. Even it's so funny now, like hmm. a lot of Gen Zers come out about like depression and anxiety, yeah. but even like, you know, I'll try to find, cause I'm always looking for guests to talk about certain topics. Mm-hmm. I'll see like who's open about, um, anxiety or depression or even abortions or whatever. And it's like, it's crazy. You, you wouldn't believe how few women especially are like open about it. Like popular, yeah. like in pop culture, women, like a lot of them are like random, like from the nineties or whatever, you know, like just old celebrities, but it was hard for me to find. So I think I just tried to outrun it, like I said, and then it just hit me in the face. And I was like, okay, you know what? There is no way around this. Like I have to adopt it as my, and like find a way to work with it because it's not going away. Yeah. You know, it's, I think we're just starting to see it publicly more and more partially because of COVID. And also like I was thinking about with Simone Biles, like how cool mm-hmm. at a gymnast left because of her mental health. Like, I don't remember when we last saw or ever saw that. Oh, Besides maybe the tennis player, but you know what I mean? Like now that these yeah. athletes yeah. are prioritizing that. Um, it's amazing. But still it's that you still like the sportscasters are like, well, she'll tell us soon or explain it. It's like, they don't have to explain it. Like shut right. up. Right. You know? like, what is it? What do they say? Like, no is a full sentence. Yeah. Like some guy was like, well, we'll hear more about this or more about, and, and as if it needs to be a big explanation. Right. Or right. that she owes anyone anything. Yeah. I think like a lot of people are like, they want to hear that you're suicidal. That well, like the other you know, thing, or, or I think a lot of women, especially women that maybe from the outside people think like, oh, they're doing great, you know, or like they have a house, they have a boyfriend, they have a career, they have this, like they're rich. And like, it doesn't matter. Like you can still be completely suicidal. And that's sort of, I think important to say, because people are more likely to be like, oh my God, they're like dying of cancer where, because it's something you can see, or, you know, they're terminally ill, but that they don't think of mental health in the same way. Yeah. I just met like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like I, I feel like those news outlets and the media just want to hear that she is suicidal. Like, so that, yeah. they, like, but, but like, for me, I was the most yeah. depressed person I knew and like riddled with anxiety, couldn't leave my house, but I was never suicidal. So it's like, 
both things can be true. You know what I mean? Like you right. don't, I think people look for like, like the media and stuff would be like, oh, that's, it's only excusable if she was contemplating, contemplating suicide. But like, yeah. no, there is intense darkness that doesn't always include suicidal ideation. Yeah. Or it, it just is manifest in different ways. Like you, you were saying you kind of, that you not kind of, that you became someone that literally couldn't physically leave the house, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's very different than like, yeah. if you're about to kill, kill yourself, but it doesn't mean that neither is more or less exactly. valid. Exactly. And, and that it's something that people need to hear because everyone has a different story. Totally. It's not like one size fits all. Right. You right. know? So, but that's, do you, are you actively now in therapy? Are you a, oh, like, or, okay. Well, some people, you know, yeah. are they, <laughs> you're in therapy this morning. Okay. Uh, did it take you a while to find the right therapist for you? You know, what's crazy is that it's like the biggest blessing in the world that I didn't have to, because I find searching for therapists, like, yeah, be the, one of the most taxing experiences in the world. Um, luckily when I was at that, um, mental health treatment center, like the outpatient program yeah. or whatever, I met her there and like, oh, great. which was wonderful. And then I just like stole her from there and just used her all the time. Cause she was my therapist there. Right. Um, and she is like my saving grace in life. Like I just like, she totally gave me my life back or gave me the tools to get my life back. Yeah. You know? And, and I think it was really important for me to have someone that saw me through the darkest period of my right. life. Um, or so far so that like, she, so, I'm, like I'm like there's still time right I know right I know seriously it's so true I'm like not good um no but I I really appreciate that she saw me through that because I think that can be really first of all it's important for her to have like a firsthand memory like recollection of it or whatever but um I didn't want to have to like explain it to people over and over again and so yeah. her helping me through that like made us have this bond where like she has seen me like at a low that quite frankly, I don't even remember, you know, yeah. like some stuff that she reminds me of, of like that I used to say at that time, like, I don't even recognize that person, but it's in me still, you know, that person's still there. So it's yeah. like important for me, for her, like to, that she has that perspective too, and can help me in that way. No, it's exhausting. Sometimes like telling your whole story. Like I used to do phone therapy with my therapist that was in New York. And then it became like, he was, it was very obvious. He was like couldn't really hear very well anymore. Yeah. I was also like starting to get dementia where I'd be like, um, what? Like, it's not the 1940s. So yeah. I was like, okay, I have to find someone, which yeah. was so annoying. Cause then you have to, you know, tell the whole story again. Right. And right. it took a while to find like the right person here. I think it, you know. Yeah. And of course, like you tell your story from your perspective, which isn't yeah. always the full story. Like when I was at the mental health place, like she met my boyfriend and she met my parent, you know what I mean? So she has context and like knows everyone in my life. And so it's, it, it's just like, God, like if I had to start over now, I'd be like, Oh no, it'd be devastating. Yeah. So is it now you mentioned your mom, but is anyone else in your family? Like, are they big therapy advocates or oh, was hell yeah. Okay. Cause I feel like oh, you guys God. are like an LA. We are an LA family. LA family. Oh my God. Yes. My parents are in therapy. My siblings are in therapy. Um, we are a mentally, like <laughs> mentally ill family. No, but like, we love that stuff. Like that's what me and my siblings talk about all the time. Like my sister is a therapist. So oh my that's gosh. also, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, and it's so cool, like to have three siblings, like three people, other people on this planet that 
because obviously like given birth order and stuff, no one goes through the same thing in the same way, but it's nice that we all have similar DNA in some ways yeah. and have a lot yeah. of the same um, genetics to work with. So yeah, you have two really- brothers, one sister, right? Yes, yes, I do. Yes. Um, so yes, everyone like mental illness was not this new um, concept to them at all. Like my parents have been on antidepressants since they were like 30 and whatever, oh, wow. but, okay. but it's still like, you know, it's still antiquated for them. It's a, di- it's a totally different experience than what it is now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It was definitely, it's, it's nice that I have such a support system of like everyone trying to work on themselves and like in therapy and none of that stuff is taboo. Like to a fault, we talk about it at the dinner table, you know? So it's, it's, I feel lucky in that way. That's great. Yeah. What was it like, like growing up in that type of a family? Like Like, where, where, I mean, for those of you that are like, just like, what, who is she? Or I mean, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what it was like growing up where your father's, you know, so successful and and being, I mean, it's really like growing up in the spotlight of what, I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, I was really lucky because my dad was kind of behind the scenes in a lot of ways until kind of like I was in college and, you know, beats came around and everything. Um, But he was like always a record guy. So while like my childhood, let's start there. Like my dad was home a lot, but he brought his work home with him. So every night for family dinners, like there would be, some singer or, you know, band or whatever at our family dinner table, like without like no exaggeration every single night, every weekday. Like, so we grew up with people like all the time and it was nice, you know, like in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that's really amazing that we were so a part of it. Like, so a part of what he was building and what my dad was doing at the time. And, you know, like so involved in, you know, hearing demos and, you know, choosing singles and just like all these things, my dad really included us, but um, my parents were really trying to build something big. So Mm -hmm. it was, you know, I knew we weren't normal, (laughs) like in a lot of ways, you know, Um, and it was very celebrity filled and um, all of that. But I think I got a good, like, because no one really, I didn't have like name recognition. Like some people, like a TSA agent here or there will be like, oh, are you Jimmy Iovine's daughter or whatever? Right. And that'll come up. But like, luckily he's not necessarily, he's not like Brad Pitt or something. Right. Right. You know? right, right. So I had like a normal upbringing in that way. It's just like in my home, it was definitely not normal. Like, was there, were there people at di- that the at like nightly dinners that you like were big fans of? Oh my god, yes! Like Gwen Stefani, who I had on my podcast recently, right. like her. Oh my, every everyone, every singer that I was obsessed with, like who else? Like you name it, they were around. You know, like at especially. I like- would be like so nervous. I feel like if like yeah, but- Dre was, I'd be like, oh. Oh, well that, yeah, he's, he's there often, (laughs) you know, but it's, it's weird because like, you'd think that I would be, um, less sensitive or like really understand that no one's life is perfect because I grew up around all the people that everyone thinks lives, lives are perfect. 
but no, I'm like, I have the same, I can still convince myself that people are perfect. Like if I don't know them, or even if I do, you know, like on social media and everything, but no, it's, I mean, in some ways, like it was, it was so fun and amazing, but like, then there were other times that like, I'll never forget. This is such a random story, but Weezer for some reason or another was at, do you remember Weezer? (laughs) This is so I know of all the people I'm mentioning, I'm like, you probably want better names than this, but no, I was just like in my pajamas, like singing probably like Wicked or like some Broadway musical, like something humiliating. <laughs> and I just around my house, cause I'm like nine or 10 right. or whatever. And I walk in and at first of all, I have the worst singing voice of all time. But I walk in, my dad's like, we're like in our dining room and they're all meeting in there. I didn't know anyone was in there. And they were like, oh, like you have a great voice, like kind of like making fun of me. But it was just like, and that kind of shit happened all the time. Like there were yeah. just always people in our house and it was right. like parties and we lived across the street from the Playboy Mansion. So like, it was just weird. Like now I learned yeah. as I get older, I realize more and more how weird it was. Yeah. The Playboy Mansion, that would have, but I yeah. guess obviously it's like there's gates and you're not like walking out as a child and like naked women are like they're on the lawn. No, no but we went to like the Easter parties and their 4th of July parties and whatever. And um, that yeah. must have been actually kind of fun though. It was, it yeah. was, it was totally fun. It was. It's like you with an Easter basket, like in the grotto. Yes. No, truly. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's a very wholesome event for like what it, where it is. It's very weird. Obviously, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm yeah. surprised because I feel like you're, you know, that you just said that, um, that you still thought, oh, these people must have perfect lives because musicians are like so fucked up. You know, I mean, they're notoriously like the worst of the worst with the drugs, right? Yeah. You know, I didn't see much of that. I don't know. My yeah. dad. I wouldn't think you'd. That way. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see much of that, but I more so just saw like, I, I saw them, these people as like family or like, you know, right. family, you know, for so long. So I knew like where all the dead bodies were. I knew like exactly what was going on and, um, so I think like, but it, it didn't matter because at school, you know, like my friends still were trying to pretend like their families were perfect. So, you know what I mean? Like you just care right. about your peers when you're young. You don't right. care about like all these old people that, you know, have imperfect lives. Right. And you went to Brentwood school, right? Yeah. Yes. So what, what is it like going to a school like that? Oh, gosh, how much time? Because it sounds, it sounds <laughs> awful from what I know about. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll mean, all these schools sound so insane you, to yeah. me, like, especially the girls' school, but I'm just, from Baltimore. So, okay. I mean, I went to school, like, in, I went to a private school that then I was thrown out of, and then I went to school in downtown. I went to the Baltimore School of the Arts, and it was, like, okay. I just told people that had never even, like, been on a plane, you right. know? Like, it was very different than how I see. Yeah. I tell stories of that to my goddaughter, who's just, like, you know, her mouth is on, I'm like, yeah, and then someone took out a gun, and she's just, like, <gasps> can't believe people live like that. I'm like, well, not yeah. everyone's like, you we know. We are the most sheltered, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Any private school in LA, like, yeah. the most sheltered in the world to a yeah. fault, to a major yeah. fault. Um, no, but going to, going to school at Brentwood had um, pluses and minuses, for sure. You know, like, um, it was really great for me to go to school with a lot of kids that were also kids of, you know, like, my... Uh, right. Like, a lot of my grade, you know, like whether their parent was a producer or, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, whoever, like, so, you know, everyone was someone's kid. Um, 
so that while you would think that created sort of like a gossip girl vibe it didn't at all like it kind of like swung in the completely opposite direction where like it was really uncool to wear any like designer anything like anything flashy or like anything that was I don't know like that like was considered showing off in any way was really frowned upon so I appreciate it for that because I think we all were um in this like thing together where we were like, okay, we're all like in the industry kind of, but like, it was like super it's an normal. evening scale, right? Like yes. it's kind of just everyone's exactly. If everyone's everyone, then no one's no one. Every, then yeah. everyone's no one. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was really, really great by this, uh, on, you know, on the other hand, it was um, really like, it was a lot of perfection upkeep you know I, I'd gone to school with these kids from kindergarten through 12th grade so that's 13 oh years of people knowing your business of right. people being like all these little like Brentwood moms like gabbing about my family and my life right. and, like, a lot of that that was super traumatic for me actually I can joke about it now but it was really hard at the time um you know you didn't want to be there if like your family was going through something because everyone was talking about it in like the least tactful way um, so that was hard. I think for me, I remember my parents used to always say to me, like, cause I'd complain to them and be like, why aren't you like this mom? Or why aren't you like that mom? Like the PTA parent or whatever. And they'd be like, Jade, like everyone has something like they, you just don't know it yet. And like, lo and behold, of course, like years out of college, I mean, like I, I now know what was going on in all those houses that I thought was, that I thought were perfect. But yeah. at the time it was really hard. I just felt like I was the only one who had problems but at the same time I was the one that everyone assumed was had the easiest and best life possible so I think that was a really hard you know juxtaposition for me to digest um and it was yeah it was a lot of like maintaining perfection like I was president of my class every year from seventh through twelfth grade I was head prefect which is like a Hogwarts term but like in twelfth grade like I I don't even know what that is like head like president of the school or okay okay Okay. Stupid things. But I just was like, and I was com- campaigning like year round. It just like, if you are a traumatized adolescent, like they will help you, like, like they will like exacerbate your perfectionism and just, you know what I mean? It was just like, and it wasn't their fault. God bless the school. I, I have so many amazing memories, but the grade that I was in was really, really, the it was hard with girls. Like the girls were right. really rough really rough yeah I I can't imagine yeah really it's a weird place it's like so funny because like you know as you get older you just like for me at least I just realized like I said how weird my life was like I'll say things and someone be like that's completely not normal like that was like all of college for me yeah you know when you do this and you're like no no one does that you know no one yeah. Cause I had to, I was only surrounded by all those people for 13 years. So then when I like went to college, I was like, oh, okay. This is but normal. That was probably like, that was probably refreshing. Wasn't it? Going to college? Like, yeah. To see like, oh, not everyone is like this. Oh yeah. It was like the best thing in the, in yeah. the world. Like I went to university of Miami, which was so random. Like I wasn't supposed to go there at all, but I was just dying, dying for, to meet people that didn't know 
my whole life story. Yeah. And I didn't know my, like that my siblings didn't come before me, you know, like I all, like I got into SC and like NYU and whatever. And my siblings went there and I was like, I can't be like held to this person. Like, like when you go to school with people from for 13 years, they like think of you as who you were at five years old and like, don't let you change much. So I was just dying to make friends as an adult, as an 18 year old or whatever, and not like just be stuck with friends because you had history with them because you chose them in the sandbox. Yeah. Yeah. I think also because LA is so the, the type of schools we're talking about, it's so incestuous. It seems like even if you were trying to get away from someone, like you couldn't. Oh yeah. I don't know. That's just how I, you know, like, it's just strange. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I did like, honestly, like the physical distance was enough. You know, I just needed like to, and also I feel like people weren't on social as much, but they, you know, still existed. Um, but yeah, the physical separation from me actually not being able to go to the events or like do the things engage with the people. Like, I think I, would be in a way worse off place now if I had gone to somewhere like USC or something where I was like still in with all the kids of and like da 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 and never like so, you like, wouldn't have as much perspective like being away from it not at all so and I probably would, would be chasing perfection and so right. many what would you say to someone that's going through something like that right now at in, you know, middle school, high school where they feel this, you know, keeping up with the Joneses type mm-hmm. like pressure. Um, like, what do you mean? Like, like people that like if you could give someone some advice, if they're like, um, like feeling, because it seems like what you're saying, what I read, like you, you experienced a lot of bullying, right? And so if you could give someone advice, that's maybe going through that, what would you say to them? You know, it's like, I hate the term bullying so much. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it, like, the mean girl cycle is or maybe t- the mean girl cycle. I don't, I don't no, know. No, no, no. I'm like, I don't, I, I have used that word in the past. You're like, no. I hate the word bully. No, I, I just mean like, I just like, I, I don't know what to call it. It's like a mean girl. It is bullying, you know, but I, it right. was, you know, it was just like this cycle of like one person has to be out all the time and it could be you next, you know, like, that's why right. I like, I, like hesitate to say bullying. Cause it's like, I probably played into it too. when it wasn't my turn to be kicked out, you know? Right. Um, but no. So like mean girls were, God, it was like, that was like the hardest part of middle school and high school for me. And I think just like what I would say is that you don't have to stay friends with people because of how long you've known them or because it made sense when you were eight or nine or whatever. I think that's a really good point. Honestly, yeah. not even not even from middle school. Like I have a, some friends, I won't say who, where so I'm just like, it's time to let these people go. You know, like oh. even people in their thirties, forties, even yeah. older, they just won't let, cause of the history. Yes. Like, or yeah. it's like, you've no. moved on, like, are you grown or things have changed, you know? And some relationships like don't allow you to grow. And that's not that's true. anyone's fault. But what I would say to someone in high school going through that is like, I don't know if this is good advice, but it's kind of like, put your head down, like get through it because it will end, you know, but also like people don't forget. And I really believe like in being nice to everyone from high school and middle school and whatever, like you never know 
you know, who you'll be friends with. Like you just keep your side of the road clean, you know, yeah. like don't engage in that shit. Even if it's like, you know, all you can see right now and all, you know, like there right. will be a time where you are out of high school and you will be embarrassed of yourself at that time. So it's like, just get through it, you know, you, and it's like, we all go through it. And I really think like the best women that I've met weren't the queen bee most popular like whatever like girls you know yeah. it's like don't peak in high school that's my advice <laughs> you know that is my advice yeah no that's good advice it's yeah. true too of people you don't think like oh what are they what do they always say be nice to everyone on the way up because like you'll see them on the way down for sure I believe that wholeheartedly so it's like especially I think going to a school in LA or if you're going to stay here or do that, but really it could be any city, you know, like there's, my sister still lives in Baltimore and it's like, you still see all those people from school. Totally. It would literally be my worst nightmare. But I think um, that's just the way it can go sometimes when you stay in your hometown. Yes, no, definitely. And, it, and it's like, you never know who, I mean, like not to put it in this way, but like who can help you out or like who- right like it'll come from mark my or like trust me it will come from the most random places in the world you know like the weird girl in the corner like is now this famous actress and you're like okay like you know just people right. change and like just keep your side of the road clean that's just my advice all right that's good to know has someone who's is there someone that surprisingly has helped you out not um, that you like dissed back in the day but is there like because sometimes i've had that where i'm like wow i can't believe this person did this because I didn't even think that was like a moment we had like 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm. I, there's got to be something random. Like or where something's kind of come full circle that you thought yeah. was, um, you know, a lot of times too, it's like when I was thrown out of my high school, I thought it was like the end of my life, you know, right. but it was actually like a blessing in disguise. Totally. I'm trying to think of, um, are there any blessings in disguise? Like as far as high school, I'm like, ugh. you're like, no, or middle school. I know. I know. Not really. I just was like being such an inauthentic version of myself. And like, I feel so sorry for myself at the time. Like I was just like trying to be this person that I thought everyone would like and all of that. I think just, um, Oh, someone, I mean, this is so random, but this is all I can really think of. Someone that my, because my boyfriend and I met in college. And oh, someone, you guys met at University of Miami. Yeah. And someone that he had um, made out with. And I was like, because so, I had like the biggest crush on him and he like didn't give me the time of day. And this girl that, um, that had like made out with him. And I was like, so envious and blah, blah, blah. And then she became like my graphic designer. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's just like, wow. because college, you're like, who the fuck cares? You know, like it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, but that's a full circle funny moment. So you, you guys met, you really liked him. You met at University of Miami. Mm -hmm. And then how did you guys end up together? Oh gosh, that's such a funny story. So it's so, tell me if you can follow this. I don't know if this has anything to do with mental health, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're here. Um, no, so my sister, um, so I'm not, I can't even tell you the full story. It's so long. Anyway, my, so I had these two family friends that I'd gone to Brentwood with. They're okay. two of my close friends. One was the grade above me. One was in my grade. They're brothers. Um, when I first went to Miami, they were the only people I knew. So okay. 
he would just go to the older brother's house in Miami, like, cause whatever, we were in dorms otherwise. So we would just keep going there. And we came early cause we were freshmen, you know, like you have to come for orientation or whatever. Yeah. We kept saying like, my roommates will be here like in two weeks, my roommates will be here in two weeks and whatever. So then however much time passed and they came in, they walked like the, the two roommates that my friend had talked about. And I just like remember seeing him and like, it really was, I'm like, this is so painfully lame, but it really was one of those moments where like the world stopped and I like totally just like only saw him. He didn't have that same experience. Was, he was like, where's the bathroom? Yeah, he was literally like, uh, you're a freshman and like fucking weird, looking at me weird. Um, no, but so what's crazy is that that roommate that my boyfriend was roommates with is now dating my sister. So That's we are crazy. dating former college roommates. So yeah, but anyway, I had a crush on him for like two years. He had a girlfriend. And then we just so happened to both be doing summer school one semester. So I like trapped him. I was like, no one else is here but me. So like, let's hang out. That is so it's been funny. Seven years, so it's okay. It's, it, it, worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Um, you, one of the things that I don't think maybe many people or maybe many people know this about you, but I thought it was interesting that you helped bring the a thousand by a thousand campaign like to, fru- to fruition at so is it pronounced so LA Sola. or Sola? Sola. Okay. Cause I was like, yeah. so LA, Sola, okay. <laughs> like, Sola Foundation, which helps uh, lower income families in South LA. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about this program, exactly what it does and yeah. how, you know, yeah. what you get from it. Yeah. So during COVID, obviously we all realized how important internet connection was, you know, it was, it was not like, it was not no longer just a means to, um, like get work done. It all all of a sudden became your lifeline to society and to social interaction and all of that. So I was watching the news one day, which is all I did during COVID. So bad. I think we God. all did. And then I was I like, don't watch I'm not watching this. Yeah. I know. And I just, it was like crazy. So I just was watching the news like crazy. And, um, I saw this family one day that was a family of five and, um, four kids and a mom, and they were in a McDonald's parking lot, just using their Wi-Fi, And they sat there Monday through Friday, 9am through 5pm and, or through, yeah, three or mm-hmm. whatever till the late afternoon. And the kids were doing online learning on their phones, mind you, like one of them had a tablet, the rest of them were just doing it on their iPhone um, and like logging on to Zoom class. And the mom was trying to talk to her employer from the car. And like, that's just where they sat. And that just killed me because I think what COVID did was it made the gap between the haves and the have nots so large, you know, like a lot of people call it a great equalizer, but in a lot of ways it was not you know? Um, so I just was bothered by that. And I was like, imagine if you went like the days that my internet is out, I'm like, what do I do? Like, you know, like you just like, you don't realize how much you need it until you don't have it. So anyway, that really bothered me. And I was like, you know, who do I call? You know, in those moments, you're just like, fuck. Um, so I just started telling people about it. Anyone that would listen, I was like, I really want to do something where we like give Wi-Fi to kids. I don't know how that works. I don't know how cell phone towers and why I don't hotspots. I don't know. Great idea though. Well, I just was, I just saw a problem and I was like, this seems crazy. It's such a huge problem. I think people didn't even realize till till COVID like you're saying. What a lot of people heard and a lot of people thought that it was handled because LAUSD was giving out hotspots, theoretically. Oh, really? Okay. Those hotspots turned out to be 
very faulty and like not, not give you any connection. I feel like hotspots don't even work half the time, even if you well, like buy the thing. You know what I mean? At the right. airport, like you buy the yeah. hotspot, and I'm like, this doesn't even work. Like, right. And let alone for like if you have more than one kid in the house that needs yeah. to work on for Zoom learning. And right. I was just like, these kids are competing against privileged kids. Mm -hmm. And this is insane. They like are learning on like, you know, they're competing with kids whose parents have set up a study room for them and have like incredible internet connectivity and have tutors or whatever. Like build them a school. They have like a pot. Yeah. They have a teacher there. Literally can't see the whiteboard because they're on their phone. So anyway, it just bothered me. And I was lucky enough to be introduced to the people at Sola um, who really like what I love about Sola is that they there are no, like anything is possible for them. Like they're like, they're the kinds of people where you're like, I feel like donating something. They're like, okay, let's have a drive for ballet slippers or what, you know what I mean? Whatever you want to like, they, they really are dreamers and they really just believe in the community. It's so cool. And they are so open, like more open than any other organization I've ever worked with. And I just was like, I have this idea and I kind of thought they'd, they'd take it and do it. Yeah. You know, like I thought they'd just be like, oh, that's a great idea. Thank you so much. See you later. <laughs> and I hit it off with them and I was like, how do we do this? You know, and um, we were like, we, it, we calculated that for to, to give a family internet access for it would or, um, for three years for free, mm-hmm. it would cost $500,000 to give a thousand families. So we raised $500,000. It took us like a little over maybe like six or seven months. Uh, maybe That's seven. amazing though. Yeah, it was It was just really. Also exciting. like I didn't, like I, I wouldn't think that would be that much money. I, I, that yeah, might I sound really ignorant, but I'm like, wait, what? Like, I know for a thousand, for just a thousand families. Wow. I didn't expect that either. Um, but yeah, so like 18, it, it's, it was really cool because I think we hit it at an amazing time where people were feeling. Yeah helpless and generous, you know, and they realized that, you know, if this sucks for me, a privileged person, like how much does this suck for someone that doesn't have all the access to things? And you had everyone's attention, you know, because of COVID. I think like lots of great things are born of that because yes, people were at home and wanted, you know, and it was specific. And I think people like when they're giving, like, I think they like specific causes. So this, yeah, I agree. I think that's actually a really good point. A lot of times people are like, yeah, give to this Right. Yeah. So I, so it was, it was, it was really exciting. Like we distributed the hotspots every week for about six or seven weeks and just like, it, it, it's incredible even for me to talk about now. It was just so crazy to see kids be so excited about something yeah. that we for granted so much, like seeing these families be like, like wait in line for Wi-Fi. I was just like, fuck, you know, like we have this all wrong. We have this all backwards. We have this all wrong. Um, and, but I'm really happy that we were able to give a thousand families three years, which was like important for me that it wasn't just one year and then they'd be left with like a bill, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So that's where the thousand times a thousand came yeah. from. So okay. it's a thousand families for a thousand days of free Wi-Fi. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. My, like my Wi-Fi doesn't even work and I have money. So like, I don't right. know, like people, I'm like this, right. I'm like, is there another like company that can like do Wi-Fi up here? No, it's right. 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 No, it's crazy. That's really cool. So then that was just, uh, last year. Yeah. Developed. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And you obviously, I mean, this sort of seems like a redundant question, but obviously like when you do something like that, you makes you feel good. 
Oh, beyond. I mean, like it's a, it just keeps giving, you know, it like, yeah. And that is not a bullshit answer. Like if you, like I was talking to this woman, Lorea, who's incredible and started this program called lunch on me. And she was just, she articulated it so well, but it like, it's almost selfish how much it helps you more than the other people, you know, like it really, I really feel like, like she was saying that depression is often like lack is rooted in lack of connection. And there's nothing that connects you to people more than like giving of yourself and like really understand it. It gives you perspective. And of course, like we're, as humans, we're resilient. And unfortunately we lose perspective a lot, Yeah. but it was the most healing thing I could have done during those six to seven months of COVID. Like I just, I needed something to focus on and focus on really like have tunnel vision about. And that's what I did with this. And it felt better than good. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's the most addicting thing ever is giving. Yeah. I know it sounds so Pollyanna and stupid, but it's true. No, but like, I think, I mean, I guess unless you're like a sociopath. Yeah. yeah, I mean, of course you feel even like when you give a gift, you know what I mean? If you're really excited about that to someone or you did something, you'll feel better than getting a gift. Absolutely. But it is a better feeling than any success or accolade or award or anything. It's like, it just brings you back to like center. It like reminds you like why we're on this planet. Yeah. Do you feel that way too with your podcast a bit? Like, tell me about it where you're, you know, you want to share. I feel like it's sort of your motto where you want to share to other women, like, we're all going through this. Like we're all anxious or this or that. And we all have like problems in our head and can get caught up where that's rewarding for you. Oh my God. It's like nothing but that would be rewarding to me. I think like, I just, if I were another person perpetuating this idea of perfection or like curated lifestyles or aspiration, as we talked about, like I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Like I really, it just would be against, I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world because like, I really strongly believe that everything I've ever been through in my life was so that I could make other people feel less alone when they have to go through it. Yeah. So doing this podcast, I'm like, I'm not, you know, here to like, it's inspiring to listen to these people's stories, but I'm not here to like preach or tell you how to live your life or say like, Oh, like learn from me. I'm this great. I'm saying like, Oh fuck. Sometimes it, like we really hate ourselves. Sometimes yeah. like my self-loathing is so bad. Sometimes my anxiety is so bad. Sometimes I, th- I feel excluded. Some, like all these things, like all these, like talking about losses, talking about rejections and all that stuff. Like it's so refreshing for me. And it's so helpful for me because even when I leave my guests, like, and I, you know, we go about our day the rest of the day and I see them on social media, it's easier for me. Like, even if I see them being perfect, I'm like, okay, but now I know. Yeah. fly. But now I know, you know, like I know that like there is another side of you that you're not showing and it like makes me feel better. What do you, because I'm just curious about this. I really suffer from this still. This wasn't even a question I had in here. What have you found the most helpful for you to get past your own, everything has to be perfect? Because I find it really hard and I, it's something I've been struggling with a long time and I'm trying to learn more, get more tools, but it's, it's, I find it really difficult in this day and age. I think maybe because of social media, 
Yeah. And because you're right. So, sometimes you know, you'll like hate someone mm-hmm. on Instagram. It could be even one of your really good friends. And you see yeah. them, like, oh, I don't hate you. <laughs> right, right, right. Awful, no, but, like, you know, you can really get in your head. Totally. And it's hard because, you, you know, perfectionism is a weakness for me, but it's also my, one of my greatest strengths, you know, like, I think it's the reason that I don't settle for subpar work for like that. I put out or, you know, like, but, but perfectionism can be the enemy of good. So it's like, I sometimes will sit out because I just don't put like, because it's not a hundred percent perfect. And like, then you miss out on the whole thing. So I think for me, like, um, Honestly, like my perfectionism when I was younger, what really helped me was falling as hard as I did. I I needed to, it was like the universe was like, oh, you want to pretend perfect? Like we're going to make it so you can't, even if you tried, you know, like everyone knew that there was something wrong with me, like, or that there was something going on. Um, so that helped initially, but of course, then afterwards I was, I still had all those inclinations to be perfect and convince other people I was perfect, but for me, it's like, I just, I have to, I, and I, it, the podcast is really helpful because you talk for an hour, hour and a half and like, not everything you say is going to be perfect. And you learn that like a lot of the things that you were like, fuck, I should take that out are the things that people gravitate yeah. towards the most, you know? Yeah. So I think like with podcasts, sometimes you're going to put out perfect episodes and sometimes you're going to put out good episodes and sometimes you're going to put out bad episodes, Yeah. but it helps me a lot to know that I can do better, that I have another opportunity next time. But perfectionism, that's as far as work, but perfectionism is perfectionism as far as like socially and stuff is something that I still really work on because like I have a hard time showing up at 50%. Like if I don't feel a hundred percent, I'm like, I want to cancel because I'm like, oh, you know, people won't like get a good glimpse of who I am. They'll misunderstand me or I'll feel like shit because I know that I like, they didn't have a good time with me or whatever. And I think like, I'm really like, I was talking about in therapy today, like hitting that middle ground is really important for me. It's really important that I like, cause I torture myself. Like I'm like, okay, you need to start working out. So we're going to work out five days a week. You know, I go a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I have a very hard time with middle, with good, with, you know, no, I'm the same way. I'm it's, like, when we're going to do it, we're going to be up for like 72 hours and we'll get it done right. instead of just like chip away at it. Yeah, totally. What I care more about is like, I care about, am I being authentic? You know, like, and I, and I know that's a buzzword right now and I don't mean it like as far as social media, but I mean it like for me, I just need to show up as me. And like what I've found, which has been revolutionary is that I'm more proud when I show up as me, this sounds so lame, but when I show up as me than when I show up perfect. You know, like even like after I show up perfect, I probably faked a lot of it or like it took a lot of energy out of me. But when I can just show up as me, I'm like, oh, I'm so much more fun. I'm like when I'm not policing myself like that, it's like you like I think the the only antidote for perfectionism is like, um, what did I want to say? I just lost my train of thought. But the only yeah, the only um. Uh, yeah, the only antidote for perfectionism is trusting yourself, you know, and like, and really just learning to let yourself fuck up and like, you know, and and that's so hard for us perfectionists, you know, it is. It's so hard. I, I, I have to, I sort of with my psychiatrist learn like, 
well, this is good enough, you know? And then I'd be like, but what if it's not even going to be good? He's like, Katie, I know with you, it's probably going to be like close to perfect, you know? So like, just let it go, you know? But it's very hard because you think it has to be this certain way. And it's root and control, you know? It's really- Absolutely, 100%. It's all about like, okay, I need you to perceive me a certain way. So I'm going to show you this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to convince you it's perfect. And- And I think just like, that's what I'm slowly like getting better at. And it's a daily struggle, but just learning to be like, I love myself. I trust myself. And like, there is tomorrow we can do better tomorrow, you know, like really. And, and just like, I know it cognitively, but it's really hard for me to like apply it, but just knowing that, you know, that everyone's thinking about themselves and not you. Like no one's as focused on me as I am. That's true. But it's hard to remember. Sorry. I'm like, let me just, let me just decline that call. No, that's true. Like, I think also that you, I think actually you, I read this, some article that you said, like, you just have to start. Mm Because I think also with perfectionists, like for me, it's like, if I wanted everything to be perfect with when I was writing a script or this, or even doing, you know, developing the podcast, it's like, you just have to go do it. Like sometimes it's like, just do it, just get it done. Then like obsessing about every little thing. No, that is like, I, they're exposure therapies, but like, that's what I force myself to do. Like the only way out, especially for me, I can't speak for everyone, but the only way out for me is through. So I, I have to do, I have to throw myself in the deep end. Like I was saying to my boyfriend the other day, I was like, Sometimes I like think of myself like in like in another as like as if I'm another person and I'm like fuck I always like throw myself in the deep end like I sign myself up for the scariest shit ever you know like I just like you know take any meeting like do any interview like I I go for gold and then I like you know my more introverted side or like is like what what the what do you mean we're going to do like I I can't do that and I think like that's what's important is that I always maintain that um, desire to throw myself in the deep end and know that I will rise to the occasion, even if I am kicking and screaming on the way there, you know? Right. Right. That's good though. Yeah. Um, what does the color yellow represent to you? Because I feel like that is such a like signature color for you. Are you laughing? Just, do people ask you that a lot? No, I just love it. I love it so much. I know that the yellow thing on visual. And so like, I was, you know, every time I would, yes, yellow, there's been a yellow moment. That's Listen, cool. Katie, I'm a very depressed person. Serotonin is very important to me. And when I see yellow, I'm like, I, I called them like serotonin sweaters in the fall because I was early in the winter. Cause I was like, if I wore like a bright sweater, I felt right. a little better. And yellow just like has this hold on me. Like it's just, it was my favorite color growing up. Like I loved it, obviously. Okay. Um, but it just makes me so happy. But I'm like, I definitely like, Maybe it's I, I it's it's been overkill a little bit. I don't think so. I mean, brunettes look really good in yellow, like blondes not as much. So like, I don't yeah. think it's overkill. I just was like, it just made me feel better. You know, right. I don't know. I just like yellow. I feel like it's fun. It's happy. It's you know, makes me like brightens my mood a little bit. It makes me look <laughs> not depressed, even if I feel like <laughs> you know. I think that's good. Um, all right. Well, we always end with, you know, these five questions. So yeah. the first one is what do you do for a mental break? Like if you just kind of want to get out of your head, 
I watch r- a ridiculous amount of reality TV. Like, I know I should say like, oh, I do ceramics and no. uh, you know, I, I jog. It's like, no, I smoke weed and I like watch reality yeah. TV. That's like truly watching like reruns, which I've only learned recently is a total symptom of depression and anxiety. Like I didn't realize that a lot of people- oh, great. Yeah, I was like, okay, I have an excuse. Wonderful. I could see it if you're a control freak because you kind of know what's going to happen. So it's you don't have anxiety from it, it right? Yeah, and it's, yes. And there's like so much happening in like Real Housewives shit that like you, like, because like why people like Real Housewives is because it's kind of like sports, like in a way, like you're rooting for this person or like not. So you're allowed to have opinions about people's lives in this, like that you don't know. So it's just like fun. It makes me not think about my problems in my life. No, totally. Uh, so I love reality TV and what's your favorite reality show to watch? I watch all the real housewives. Okay. But is yeah. there like a favorite city? I love Beverly Hills in New York. Okay. Uh, a lot. Okay. I watch Beverly Hills, Potomac, New York, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I like Bravo shows. I also love a true crime documentary, like more than anything. Yeah. I love, I love true crime shows, but I, yeah. I'll watch the Beverly. I like the Beverly Hills housewives. The other ones I can't really get into. Yeah. It's hard. But especially I, I would you say, especially now, like after so much time has passed, it's been like 12 seasons or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what's yeah. going on now? I'm like, this is nuts. Um, when is the last time you cried? Well, we were talking about PMS at the beginning yes. of um, this. So it's I don't know like, where you are in your cycle. So I don't no, I just want to let us know. No, but um, I, it's, it's so funny. It's hard to get me to cry outside of like therapy. I'm not a big crier. Um, I don't really know why. It's probably something I have to unpack in therapy. That's but, so funny. Like, I wouldn't think that about you. Just from the yeah, shows I've listened I'm to. I'm a sensitive person. Yeah, I know. Seriously. No, but I don't really, like, unless I'm, like, doing inner child work in therapy, that always makes me cry for some reason. Or talking about, like, old trauma or things like that. Like, I, I'll cry. But other than that, like, I had really bad PMS last week or two weeks mm-hmm. ago. And our air conditioning broke at the same time. And I was so flustered and cried. Yeah. I I was just hot and I was like doing a lot of things. I had to get out the door. I was in a rush and I started sweating and I was, and I cried. Yeah. I just broke down and cried. Hormones (laughs) were overtaking. Yes. Um, What are you currently reading? Oh, I'm so glad I'm actually reading a book when you ask this. But it could be, do, people always say that. And like, one of my friends was like, I don't read books. Like it literally could be like, the yeah, no, I, I'm off and on with books, but I am, I, I, I have to like reread books sometimes. Yeah. Have you heard of the untethered soul? Someone else was just saying, I don't know. Wait, was it that book or Michael who's it by? By Michael Singer. Yeah. Someone, I, not on the show. It's, I think feel like someone else was saying that to me. What is it about? It's wonderful. Like if you're into like self-help, soul searching, like expanding your consciousness and like yourself. No, I hate that kind of stuff. Okay. See, it's all, oh, I'm like, (laughs) okay, shit. No, but it's all that. Like, it's all about like simple practices, like mindfulness and all that stuff. But I'm doing it this time. I'm reading it with a workbook this time because they have a workbook. Oh, that's cool. And I'm usually like not that kind of girl, but I was like, I think I just want to remember, like, you know, those books that you read and you're like, I just wish I could remember, like, what do I do? Like, sometimes I'll print out like quotes from books and like put them on my wall. Cause I'm like, how else? Yeah. No, uh, if it's a book like that, I'd rather they have a workbook. Cause sometimes yeah. you do that. And then you're like, I have no idea what, I don't okay. remember like what this man said. Exactly. So then I can like go back. So I'm reading yeah. that. Right now. Okay. 
Um, what is the best and worst advice you've been given? Okay. What is the best advice I've been given? The best advice I've been given is, was probably, um, my therapist who told me self-esteem is built by doing esteemable acts. So I think like a lot of people think that it's the opposite, you know, like having a self, a good self-esteem makes you do esteemable acts, but a lot of my healing has come from keeping promises to myself, um, saying, doing what I'll say, I say, I'll do what I intend to do. Um, really like doing the little things like making my bed even, or like doing just little keeping promises to myself and doing acts that I find esteemable have really been helpful for me, like rebuilding my self-esteem. Right. Like, I think after like, I fell into that depression and panic attack world and everything, I lost so much of my identity and I had to like start over. And I was like, okay, how do I like do this? What are the building blocks for like having self-worth and, you know, good positive self-esteem. And I remember she just told me, she was like, you know, write down all the things that like you do in a day, you know, or like Hmm. the little things like showering for a depressed person is like a feat, you know, like people want to talk about it, but it, you know, like little things like that. And I had to start off so small, you know, but like Mm -hmm. realizing that little things like even feeding my dog, which I have to do, but it's like little, like you don't realize how many times a day you break promises to yourself and like what that does it, like what it does to your subconscious when you do that. That's, that's a good analogy. Yeah. So like, I really like self-esteem. Like I, I, so when I think about it, like when I think of like, you know, discipline and, you know, reparenting myself and all that, I always try to remember that because I think that's a better reason for me than like, Oh, you'll feel so much better after the workout. It's like, no, it's bigger than that for me. It's like, I need to establish a relationship with myself where like, I know that I will do what I say. I'll like, I'll keep that promise to myself. You know, it means a lot to me internally. Not letting yourself down. Yeah. 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 And then um, the, worst, the worst advice. Yeah. The could worst. Be, so could be sometimes, sometimes the worst advice is like the best. Adv- you know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. people say, Oh, don't, don't start yeah. your podcast. You know? And obviously it's yeah. been very successful for you. Like something like that. Even. Yeah. I think the worst advice is that, like I told you when that agency said, like, make your life look as, as aspirational as possible. I was like, it just felt like, fitting a square peg in a round hole. I just knew I couldn't do it. And I don't think if that person had articulate, I like, I I think if they hadn't articulated it in those words, the message wouldn't have been as clear to me as it was. Like, I just knew my home wasn't in aspirational curated lifestyle blogging, you know? So I think that, thank God, (laughs) thank God, because it would be a very weird version of myself if I continue to do that. But, um, I think that was the moment where I was like, you know what, Jade, you might not be aspirational. And I think that was even a hard pill to swallow. And I was like, yeah. but there's a whole world on the other side where like, it's not just like I help people. Like I'm like, oh, like, oh I'm going to help you feel less alone. I benefit from the interviews that I do 10 times more than my listeners even do. Right. Right. You know, so I, I think that would be the, the worst advice, because yeah, I think like it's, it was really important for me to make that distinction and realize how rewarding it would be to share my story and then hear 
Like, cause every time you share your story more often than not, you're going to be met with a bunch of other people who have been through the same thing as you. So yeah. once I allowed myself to speak and like actually talk about the things I'd been through as uncomfortable as it made me, it helped a lot. It freed me. Yeah. I know it's weird. Cause it is, it is very like, Oh, that's so like therapy talk. Yeah. You, know, you say it as less power or whatever, but it is true. It's weird. It's, I mean, or at least for me and obviously for you, maybe oh, not, yeah. you know, like that's trying that. My, my therapist calls it, or she says, um, name it to tame it. So like, oh, I like that. I know. I liked that. Too. I like anything that rhymes. So. Me too. Yeah. Me too. It's easy to remember. Yeah. Um, she actually told cool. me that today, but yeah, like languaging your, um, you don't realize how, because shame thrives in silence. So. Oh, absolutely. They say that shame can't like exist once it's language. So that really. I was so shame-based for so long about everything that I'd gone through and finding the words to even talk to, like, you don't have to start a podcast and say all of your dirty laundry, you know, but even like being able to tell your boyfriend, your friend saying what, like me being able to actually walk my friends through that year that was really hard for me or two years was so important for my healing. Did your boyfriend know you at that time? Oh yeah. He slept like, oh yeah, like right. He like watched me while I slept. Like, during the, yeah, he was so attentive. And I think that's, he's the most unbelievable, least judgmental person in the world. So like, I am so lucky that I went through it with him. Also that I didn't, like, I'm, I'm fortunate that I never had to date with like, I, I feel like it would be hard to like go on a date and be like, oh, I have to take my Lexapro or whatever. Like, I think that w- that can be hard for a lot of people because there's so much stigmatization. Um, but no, he was wonderful when I was going through it. And like, it was hard, you know, like I think yeah. like for him to see someone he loves, like going through that and understanding it at a young age was hard, but it made our relationship like so much richer, you know, yeah. like it really like taught me that he like if he ever says like in sickness and in health like he fucking means it you know and I think that was really like not a lot of 20 something year olds get to prove that to someone else you no, know it's actually men that young right I mean, women but like I mean I just feel like men he held my hand and was like zero percent ashamed and was just amazing amazing that's great. And let me heal with like no intervention. Like he did not want, like he never stepped in and was like, you need to do this. You need to do that. Like he just was there to hold space. And that was super important for me. Yeah. Like let you have your, your, your time frame of it. Not like gotta hurry up and get well, you know, which is like never helpful. No. Um, the last question is what Instagram account do you find uplifting? If any, like Instagram yeah. is so we've touched on it a little, but like, yeah. I find it to be sometimes such a mind fuck. And so mm-hmm. I always like to hear what other people like to look at or yeah. maybe, um, no, I follow so many of those. Like, I think it's like therapy made easy. I'll, I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you what it actually is. something like that. Like I love all those accounts. I follow like self healers unite or whatever. Um, but what I find like, it's weird. Like my, when you, when I read that question, I was like, have you heard of the Instagram account? Or if you high, no, it's like, Maybe I need to look at it now. It's great. It's like, not like self-help at all, but it's like all like, um, like, ASMR kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's like 
satisfying. So it's like, like, how do I explain it? Like, this so, is like showing like, like those like blackheads, like out of nose with like those kinds of things, but like all like sensory, like, um, you know, like when people take those like rakes through sand, like doing yeah. like a lot of that kind of stuff. And it's like followed by a multi-million, like uh, so many people, but it's like, that's it's, so it's just where I go on Instagram. It's like the one place I can hide on Instagram where I won't see like another person, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. won't be or confronted with an ad or whatever. Like I just go on and oh, I'm like, yeah, weirdly, like my mind can't think of anything else when I'm like watching like something like that. It's like intox. That's why it's called if you high. Cause it's like, if you're high while you're watching it, so like it's like more of, it's kind of more a very visual sound. It's as well. very visual. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, just, it just gives your brain like a break and lets you take a breath. So like when I see it in my feed, like after like an influencer posting like a stay tuned picture, I'm like, oh, thank God. Like it actually lets me exhale. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I heard how like in, is it Sweden or I don't know, some country now you have to tell. I saw that too. Right. That you have to say like, I yeah. did like Photoshop this picture. And I, I was like, well, how could they even prove that? Like, that's so bizarre. I'm like everyone's going to be arrested. Yeah. I was like, how? I'm like, I guess no one will be posting anything like right. anymore. Like I I thought that was, I mean, it was great, but I was like, I don't know how they're going to police this. Totally. Me neither. I, I mean, it's I, I like let people live, you know what I mean? Like if they want to edit their photos, it's like, yeah. I know how damaging it is and terrible, but it's like, we all do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think people can kind of, I mean, maybe not. I think you can kind of tell when something's oh, like, sure. really edited. I don't know. I mean, I'm, you seem very visual. I'm very visual. Yes. Maybe unless you're like, I don't know, living with your head in the sand. I don't yeah. No, you can totally tell. You can totally tell. And I think like, it's more important that like, it's less important to punish the actual people doing it than it is to like teach us as children and in school and all of that, that like Instagram is in no way real. Like it's yeah. not just pictures, they're editing their captions and you know, like the whole thing is edited. Yeah. You know? Like it's, I can't imagine growing up with social media. Like I would be so upset if I wasn't invited to a party and I can't imagine like seeing the party play out. Like yeah. I just, I can't. Oh my God. No, I mean, I kind of grew up with it. Like but I was going to say you did, right? Cause when did yeah. Instagram, Instagram I think I got my Instagram when I was in 11th grade, but at the time, like you just posted like the coffee that, you know what I mean? With yes. like a weird sepia, like filter oh, on it. Oh my gosh. Um, it was but no, 11th it wasn't, grade that you, so that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it wasn't like, no one was, there wasn't the, um, exclusive like aspirational part of Instagram yeah it was more just like people like here's some weird photos yeah, yeah like what would happen in college and no one's first reaction was to pull out their phones like no one ever no. had their party so it's like I, I didn't really like now like if I think of like the shit that I said when I was in middle school like being like around for or, or even when I got drunk for the first time and like whatever if that was documented like for my please like, I call me on Instagram or like my third grade teacher like you know what I mean it's so weird like it's no, so I did a one woman show with like a master P doll like I like that yeah. would be like I, I mean like it's just like yeah. what like I can't like people aren't allowed to make mistakes really I totally very scary totally anyway okay well I'm doing my closing thoughts and goodbyes. Are you ready? I'm going to ask you just to like, tell us all your handles, you know, okay. you have, you yeah, yeah, have many, yeah. many handles. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. 
Shouts out to Jade Iveen for joining me. We are so thrilled to have you. And Jade, where can our listeners find you? So I'm at Jade Iovine on Instagram, J-A-D-E-I-O-V-I-N-E. Um, and where can I, oh, my podcast is called Tell Me About It. It comes like, uh, duh. it comes out every Tuesday. Um, and yeah, so come visit. And if you go on the, uh, you click the link in my bio to listen, or um, if you want to text me, you can leave me a voicemail or text me. And my number is in my bio as well. Okay, that's great. That's all, folks. Be sure to subscribe to Ben Better HBU. We can be found on Apple and Spotify and tune in next time. Yay! Yay. How are you liking that, like having a number? Like um, messages. I, I was going to do it, then I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'd be really overwhelmed. It is overwhelming. Okay. Like that, that's the part that's a little hard is that like, because it doesn't exist on your phone. So you what know, is it? Like you have to, it's like a separate thing, right? Because my voice. girlfriend- yeah. I think there's multiple ways to do it, okay. but we do it through Google voice. Yes. Um, and I think like anything that takes people out of like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Like I just, it's just hard to kind of keep up with, you know, I it's, it's hard to like really get people like, and also like you get really long winded voicemails and then you have to respond on text message. So it's, and it, it's a little like clunky, but okay. I'm just trying to find a place like to establish like some connection and dialogue. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. You know? But until I find something better, I'm like, that's what I use. Yeah. You know? No, no, that's cool. I, that, it's a great, I, like, it's a great idea. I know a lot of people do it, but I, I wanted to ask one where I'm like, is this just so overwhelming? Yeah, no, it's, it's like right now, like, let's be so honest, like, I don't have a million people doing it. But it is like, I also have DMs to answer and then like, my real text messages and like, so it is like, for me, who like is bad at answering in the first place, like a little hard. I'm the worst. Like, I want to get a new phone number. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I would love to. Yeah, I want to flip phone. So I like, I can't, I don't think that's the way for me, but it's cool. Yeah. It's good. It is. Yeah, it is. Thank you so much for like Thank inviting you. me on or having me on. This was so fun. I know it was. I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. We had to start late. I hope we didn't oh keep God. you too long. Time is a social construct. It's totally fine. Wait, what does that mean? It just means like time is like we invent, like invented time. It doesn't exist. You know? Oh my God. If you told my family, like, cause I'm <laughs> for a long time, I've gotten a lot better, but I'm like a notoriously I'm like always a minute late person. So yeah. like, they'd be like, do not tell Katie. Yeah. I'd be like time. I'd be like, Jade said it's like, yeah, like, right. Don't, don't quote me. Whatever it's called. Don't quote me. But, but I do think you need to make a t-shirt that says, what did I find? I found this quote. Every hour I spend with people, I need 72 hours to decompress. It's true. It's true. Unfortunately. I forgot to put that in the show. I had like notes, but that's, that's great. I love, no, it's my favorite thing to say because it's like, I just, I, I do. It's so true. If it weren't so true, you know what I mean? It's funny because it's absolutely true in my life. All right. But then, you know what? I still continue to see people and then I just go into my room and watch Housewives and hide. It's great. Sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah. But we get to talk Monday or Tuesday, Monday. Yeah. Yes. It's either Monday or Tuesday. So I will, um, oh, I see you. I have my, I have my Beats by Dre headphones. Oh my God. I was like, I'm just playing. I'm fidgeting with them. <laughs> I'm uh, so- expecting the yellow ones though. Yes, I have those here too. I have those here too. I got all 
All the colors. All right. Nice, nice. All right. Yes. Thank you so much, Sudi. So I'll, you. I'll talk to you next week. Perfect. Okay. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Let's see how this goes, Arthur. We're gonna record the. Wait a second here.
Okay, so let's get the rest of this.
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and today I'm joined by Jade Iveen, the host of the podcast, Tell Me About It. Take two. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and today I'm joined by Jade Iveen. Jade is the host of Tell Me About It, the weekly podcast that is here to remind you that the women we constantly compare ourselves to also have lives that are far from perfect. She's made a career out of skipping the small talk and diving straight into conversations about insecurities, mistakes, losses, and the heartbreaks that make the women we respect who they are, all the things we don't file under success story. Jade sits on the boards of both the so Sola I Can Foundation Take three. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ben Better. How about you? I'm your host, Katie Nara. Today, I am joined by Jade Iveen. Jade Iveen is the host of Tell Me About It, the weekly podcast that is here to remind you that women we constantly compare ourselves to also have lives that are far from perfect. She's made a career out of skipping the small talk and diving straight into conversations about insecurities, mistakes, losses, and the heartbreaks that make the women we respect who they are, all the things we file under success story. Take four. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara. Today I'm joined by Jade Iveen. Jade is the host of Tell Me About It, the weekly podcast that is here to remind you that the women we constantly compare ourselves to also have lives that are far from perfect. She's made a career out of skipping small talk and diving straight into conversations about insecurities, mistakes, losses, and the heartbreaks that make the women we respect who they are, all the things we don't file under success story. Jade sits on the boards of both the Sola I Can Foundation, where she spearheaded the Thousand by Thousand campaign to bridge the digital divide in Los Angeles, as well as the UCLA Resnick Neuropsychiatric Hospital, two organizations that are close to her heart. When she's not researching or recording, you can find Jade at home with her pug taco or on the phone with one of her three siblings. Jade lives, works, and podcasts from Los Angeles, California. Take five. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and today I'm joined by Jade Iveen. Jade is the host of Tell Me About It, the weekly podcast that is here to remind you that the women we constantly compare ourselves to also have lives that are far from perfect. She's made a career out of skipping small talk and diving straight into conversations about insecurities, mistakes, losses, and the heartbreaks that make the women we respect who they are. All the things we don't file under success story. Jade sits on the boards of both the Sola I Can Foundation, where she spearheaded the A Thousand by Thousand campaign to bridge the digital divide in Los Angeles, as well as the UCLA Resnick Neuropsychiatric Hospital, two organizations that are close to her heart. When she's not researching or recording, you can find Jade at home with her pug taco, or on the phone with one of her three siblings. Jade lives, works, and podcasts from Los Angeles, California. <laughs>